0: This is the Scott Bradley Show Podcast. It's Friday, it is 7.09 and for the next couple hours we are going to reassemble the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. Let's start with the veteran tonight. Terry Pekoski is a longtime writer with The Spectator, National Newspaper Award winning writer, now covers the Hamilton Bulldogs as well as doing other things. Thanks for coming in.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Always thrilled to have you back and next to her, a rookie, a first-timer. But hardly someone that you're not going to know. Maybe one of the best-known Hamiltonians, honestly, out there. Everybody who sees her knows who she is. Because for years and years and years, you saw her on CHCH as a reporter. I think it was the first... Female full-time reporter—is that right?
2: No, I was the first uh, female weekday news anchor.
0: Okay, first, okay, anchor. Yes. You know that voice, of course. <laughs> She's a member of Hamilton Gallery of Distinction. She is now a freelance broadcaster. She is a teacher, and she was, as I say, the anchor of CHCH for a long time. Connie Smith.
2: Hi, Scott. Thanks for coming in. This is fun. Yeah,
0: we are. We've wanted to have you for a long time, and thrilled to have you back. You know, we like to we like to up. I mean, Terry is doing it. We like to up the. Um, so, we got the first time full time anchor, yes. the first time full time sports writer and specta- female sports writer, yeah. I think, in spectator history. I think so. And me. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go least, easy on at you. At least Scott. two of the three people in this room right now are holding up their end of the bargain. <sighs> we got a lot of stuff I want to get to today. Um, starting with this, I don't know if you heard these stories this week about the Coca Cola display in a store down in the States where they dis- put up a display of Coke boxes in the shape of the Twin Towers. Because it's this weekend is September 11. It's the 15th anniversary. And a mattress store in the States did this quirky, which is probably not a great move for 9-11, but a quirky 9-11 buy your twin mattress sets commercial, which of course got them all pooped on. Uh, You've got NFL players who are now taking a knee and not going to stand for the national anthem on Sunday at the opening of the NFL season on 9-11. It makes me wonder, Terry, if, if this suggests that 15 years is the outside edge of our ability to actually remember something. Like, it, does it seem like all of a sudden we've reached a point where it's not that significant, it's not that big a deal, it's not that important anymore? It just seems like it's far less gravitas around it now
1: I think it's it's probably a different scenario here in Canada than it is south of the border and you can see by the reactions that some people have had to those advertisements that uh this is is far from you know in in the depths of the memory in the United States so I mean people were outraged Uh, the the example that I saw in particular was the mattress store in that video advertisement um people down in the states you saw it all over twitter were losing their minds about this so um i think for sure in in the states it, it's you probably you can't get away with that you know not now and maybe not for a long time but in in canada i think probably our sensitivities are not you know they're they're a bit reduced
0: sure but connie there are still obviously companies or people who feel like it's okay now to Be a little lighter with the whole concept.
2: Well, there is a saying that, and there is some truth to it that uh, any publicity is good publicity. So (laughs) I think well, I'm I'm telling you. I mean, they're getting a lot of mention. (laughs) They are, aren't they? They are. And it's not, you know, the the high road way of marketing. But it's it's certainly not the first time anything like this has happened. And uh, I I was on air for 9/11. I was on air for seven to eight hours and. I I honestly think the border almost dis- disappears between Canada and the United States because we are so close together. And uh, I-, I think the outrage is totally justified, was totally expected, and was just a very um, daring move.
0: But do you think that people have the same feeling about it today? Or do you think that people will make, qu- maybe not jokes, I don't want to say they're going to yeah. make tasteless jokes, although I'm sure some will, but... Is it, I mean, I know that they just had a, a comedy roast on the Comedy Channel for Rob Lowe, and there were 9 11 jokes. And you go, okay, well, that's, you know, that's a mm. lowbrow form of entertainment. But, I mean, are we, have we reached the point now where 9 11 can just be part of the popular culture discussion? Like a
2: statute or is, of limitations or yeah, something. Yeah. Or is like it that. still
0: held in absolute well, dignity?
2: You look at World War II veterans, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, how long has it been since the end of World War II, Vietnam? And, we're still very careful of how we treat our veterans, what we say on Remembrance Day. I, You know, until the generation that lived through 9 one way or the other, the last generation passes away, I don't think there's any room for that kind of disrespect, really, that would be tolerated mm. at, at any level.
1: Yeah, I, it just seems, you know, a, a little base. Tasteless. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, I, I agree, absolutely. I just wonder if we actually, on the broader scale, I mean, do we still hold... Pearl Harbor, for example, with the same, there's a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people, there's many people who are still alive who remember Pearl Harbor. The I
2: don't think you could get away with joking about Pearl Harbor even today though, Scott, really. You're probably
0: right. You know? You're probably right, although it doesn't have the same, for many people who didn't live it, Sure, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same feeling it's mm-hmm. just a thing it's just something you heard about it's it's maybe a movie with uh, what's his name that was yeah. you know that was in it um, Ben Affleck
1: it's in the history books it's in the history books but yeah. I agree with Connie I mean you, you still I still don't think you make a joke about it mm-hmm. I, I still don't think that's really passable
0: okay so Sunday is 9-11 Sunday is also the NFL mm-hmm. getting they kicked off last night but their season really for intents and all intents and purposes starts a number of players have now said they're going to follow Colin Kaepernick and take a knee maybe a whole team, the Seattle Seahawks, are indicating the whole team is going to do something. Almost any other day, you could argue, that's freedom of expression, that's free mm-hmm. speech, whatever. Will they get away with that? Will they, not get away with it, will they be chastised for doing it on 9-11 on that particular day? Because I have to believe that on that, before the NFL games, they're going to have videos and they're going to have on you know memorials and everything. And then if the players don't stand for the anthem, Will they will they get pooped on for that, Terry?
1: I think they will one yeah. way or the other. If it's that day or any other day, I mean.
0: But a lot of people are saying I'm with them. A lot of people. Colin Kaepernick's jersey is now the third best-selling jersey in the NFL. He's, he's a backup quarterback. Yeah, it says a lot of people support his idea of not standing for the anthem. But oh, on this do. day, on yeah. this day, will that bite
1: them? In terms of just you know t- sanctions or whatever the NFL wants to do, I don't think it makes a difference. But I mean. Is it a particularly poignant day to make a statement? For sure. I think more people will be paying attention, but the NFL is going to be paying attention either way.
2: And it's the optics. I mean, it's the optics. It's the branding. I mean, that's your values, your reputation on the line then, and that's going to follow whoever doesn't show dis- show respect that day.
0: Yeah, I, I look at this, and as I said, I, I thought, okay, you know what? If Colin Kaepernick wants to make his point, okay. But on 9-11, again, and I, I, I'm positive that all the stadiums are going to have videos and flyovers and it's going to be a very memorial, almost militaristic kind of thing. And then if you don't stand up, even if you say, well, it's, a, it's about injustice, it's about police, it's, it's going to look like you are slapping the people who died in 9-11. It look like you're going to slap the veterans. I just think this is going to look awful if they do this on this day.
2: Oh, undoubtedly. I I agree with you 100%. They they can't get away with that. I mean, that will follow them. That will hurt them. And who knows, it could hurt future endorsements. Look what happens when you kind of screw up on live television. I mean, we've seen that in the Olympics. And uh, you just you don't when it's your career on the line and your values and your worth as a person and a profess a profession and a professional individual you don't play around with that you know and again
0: is it is it only visceral or how long is it visceral for I mean you said when when that generation is gone so does that mean that basically that no one is going to dare to trod on this in any kind of insignificant way until we're all dead and gone who were alive for that or do you think there comes a point because we live in a society that mm-hmm. tends to be a little less, respectful sometimes of certain things. We're a little, you know, do you, do you, Terry, do you foresee a day in the near future when 9-11 becomes something that we don't really show the great respect for and the quiet dignity almost for that it becomes that we can make jokes or become a punchline? Or do you uh, see that well, ever happening?
1: I think, I think there's a difference between those two things, right? Is there a day when maybe we, especially we in Canada, don't remember it the way... You know it's maybe remembered in the States like do we sort of cool down on how we you know we honor this day for sure I can see that happening you know well we had this discussion
2: in the newsroom on either the first or second or third anniversary how many years do you do a news story about it yeah here in Canada for instance as opposed to the States every year and I remember talking to the news director and he says how many like do we do this every year what do you think well fifteen's quite the milestone 10 five the first anniversary. I don't think you'll see the uh, profile from year to year from now on but the memories. We're into the
0: five-year cycles now.
2: Yes yeah Yeah. yes we're into the milestone uh, markers but I don't think you'll ever ever see us reach the point where we won't show respect and deference to all those involved and those people lost and their families on that day.
0: It'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, when Sunday especially rolls around to see if some of these players, even if they support Colin Kaepernick, even if they like the idea, if they actually step back for a second and go, wait a second, maybe today I stay standing and then I make my protest next week when it's not tied in so much to, to this. We'll, we will find that out, well, two days from now, we're going to find out. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. When we come back... What happens if you go to a school and the lunch mothers, the lunch marms show up with a piece of paper that says, here's what you're allowed to bring in your, send in your kids lunch. And there better not be any litter. There better not be any juice boxes. There better not be anything that goes against our eco policy. What do you do if you're a parent and you say, I don't really like this idea. We'll talk about that. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley show. Weeknights from seven to nine on
1: AM 900 CHML.
0: Connie Smith. And Terry Pekoski, thanks for doing this. Guys, again, really appreciate you coming in. All right. This one drives me nuts, I got to be honest. This topic drives me nuts. There was a story that moved in the Toronto Star this week about Jackman what do I call it? Jackman Avenue Public Schools, a Toronto elementary school that has received the highest level of Eco School standing in the Toronto District School Board. So this is this is Eco World. And at the beginning of the school year, when you show up for the first day or maybe before your kid comes for the first day, you get a note from the school parents association in the school saying, by the way, we are a litterless school lunch school. So don't even think of sending napkins, saran wrap, baggies. Lunch, uh, juice boxes, oh, juice boxes makes their head explode, the thought of a juice box. They just about lose their minds over juice boxes. It was, in fact, on the letter that came home, it was all in capital letters with exclamation marks. No juice boxes. Like this is, sending a juice box is like sending a pound of crack cocaine (laughs) to class at this school. And so one of the parents, who is the communications chairman for the Jackman Avenue Parent Council, How many parent councils actually have a communications chairman? You know they're taking it a little too seriously. (laughs) This is what she said. This is part of the package when we go to Jackman. And this is a public school, keep in mind. This is not some sort of private hoity-toity school. This is part of the package when you go to Jackman. We're an eco-school, and we're an eco-school for a reason. A platinum eco-school, she she says. Yes, a platinum eco-school. I would never in a million years send to my school my child to a school with anything other than reusable packaging. That's been ingrained in me being a parent at an eco school. Am I am I wrong or is this as annoying as a parent council and a school could possibly get?
2: Oh yeah. I mean that's extremism and anything that in the extreme scares me.
0: It just you're getting up in the morning with your kids. Connie, you've had kids. Terry, you Someday, maybe. We'll see. Um, But, you know, but you get up and you're getting ready for work and you got your kids racing around and you're trying to make breakfast and you're trying to get your own stuff put together. And now you've got to somehow plan out how you're going to pack your kids lunch with no litter, with no litter, period. Everything must be recyclable. Everything must be reusable. I don't know if you're allowed to, like, wrap your sandwiches in a rice paper Wrapping so that it could dissolve, or you could feed it to homeless people, or something on the way home. I don't know.
2: Are you are you allowed to bring home leftovers that your kid never eats? Because my son rarely ate what I sent him to school with.
0: I I I would hope, but actually actually they probably would make you. They probably would make you. You can't put any. You must eat this. (laughs) It Terry, to me, this is absolutely the kind of thing that drives me nuts about the eco movement, or as as Connie says, almost any movement that becomes so hardcore, so n- no restrictions, no wavering. If I'm a parent at the school, you know what I'm doing? I am sending my kid with lunches that are all litter. <laughs> I am wrapping their sandwich Just in 17 baggies <laughs> and I'm going to tell them peel them off and throw them in the air with each with each layer. This would drive me nuts. Honestly, this would drive me nuts if you couldn't if you had to listen to this
1: stuff. Yeah, I mean, I and I sort of consider myself an environmentalist. But at the same time, you know, it is all I can do in the morning to like, and I don't even have children, to get myself out of bed and walk the dog and, you know, have a shower and get my makeup on and get out the door. Um, I'm lucky if I grab a few things from the fridge on my way for my lunch.
0: And what if it's a can of pop or a yeah, can exactly. of carbonated water? or a, a
1: bottle of Perrier, something like that. Like, um, I want to know
0: what happens if the principal of this school stops at Tim Hortons or Starbucks on the way. Yeah, what do do you they do? have to dump their cup into a recyclable thing, or can they actually walk into the school holding a Tim Hortons cup? Surely you couldn't be a hypocrite and say, I can bring my garbage into the school when no one else can.
1: Well, it's it's intimidating, and it is it could That's, potentially be discriminatory, right? If it, It's expensive to it's, and, and time-consuming to plan out lunches that way. Like, this... You know, for for the grab-and-go families oh, who yeah. who are very busy, might not have you know a ton of money to spend on.
2: Oh, and it could get expensive yeah. if those uh, plastic containers never come back again. Yeah. You're going to be at Walmart buying more Tupperware.
0: You should see my desk. desk. I Week. have that problem exactly. Yeah, but it's it's absolutely true. But again, I look at this and I think, wait a second, what happened to the idea that okay, we can try and help the environment. We can try and do these things. But when did we get to the point when you're, if if I chose something else at my kid's school and demanded that everyone go along with it, I would be told, wait a second, that's not their choice. If I said, for like an example, we were talking about this last night about something different. If I said, you know, we're going to do the Lord's prayer before school, like we used to do, like kids used to do, they would say, wait a second. No, 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 no. People have different choices. People have different religions. People don't have to follow this. This is essentially at this school a religion. You must follow every edict of what we say or else.
2: bit of a dictatorship. It sounds like the school wants to win some awards possibly.
0: Yeah they have and they don't want to lose those awards now or something.
2: And well and in any movement there are trailblazers right? There are people that go out ahead of the pack to show the way to shine the light on you know the, the, the movement. But baby steps? You know, you've got to walk before you run, and uh, maybe a phasing in would be a little more uh, easier on the palate for parents, uh, excuse the pun, and children alike. But um, I think there are greater issues that schools and teachers and parents together have to work on and put attention to rather than what you wrap your sandwiches in.
0: What would happen, Terry, if this was done at an office? If you were working at The Spectator and they said suddenly, <laughs> no, seriously, if they suddenly said no litter. I, you,
1: would, I would never eat again. That like probably <laughs> is what it would come down to. Uh, because eat I, out. I, eat out. Yeah, I eat, eat pretty much every meal at my desk and it's usually from Tim Hortons. So, I, I mean, I, I would I would be screwed.
0: But you would never accept this. Nobody in an office would say this would be okay, I don't think.
2: Because it's hard.
0: It's hard, it's inconvenient. And
2: it's different. And it's different. I remember trying to f- get smoking out of the newsroom a few years ago, and the resistance was unbelievable and it was myself and my dear friend production assistant Karen Steele we said one of these days you guys aren't going to be smoking in here and this is in like a blue newsroom and film cans were ashtrays and and ashes were all over the <laughs> typewriter keyboards um but you have to take time with change and eventually of course these changes occur but especially with children and getting them used to things you know little kids minds aren't fully developed to take all that kind of direction when they're tr- they're there to learn something right
0: i get the sense though as, as somebody <laughs> pointed out i don't know which of you said it maybe connie that that uh, it's about awards and it's about more than yeah. convenience here the um jackman was the first Toronto District School Board school to get retrofitted to get a retrofitted green roof and has planted trees adjacent ah. to the building to provide passive cooling, installed solar blinds and ceiling fans and put UV film on the windows, and on and on and on. Um, they compact compost all their organic matter. Uh, I mean, it's
2: that's to be admired. Okay, yeah, I that, thought that's that's that is to
0: be admired. Absolutely, I, I, I give you all that stuff. That is to be admired. Mm. But even in your home, I I would bet you money that the people who are insisting on doing this at the school to all the other kids have litter at their home. I bet you that none of them can say, we follow the same guidelines in our house as in the school that we're telling you you have to follow. And that is what drives me nuts well, a little about but this. But
1: even if they don't, even if they are, you know, the perfect eco-friendly environmentalists, not everyone can be that. And it's an awful lot of pressure on parents who who can't
0: but should you not also as I said have a choice not to right I mean it's it's admirable that you want to be an eco warrior Mm -hmm. but do you have a choice in your life to say you know what you can be that but I that's not my thing I'll try to be reasonable about this I'm not gonna drive along and whip my McDonald's bag out the window on the highway like we used to do back in the 70s but do we not have the choice to say, I, I'm sorry, this is not how we You did do that our... back in the 70s? You didn't? Oh, you never <laughs> oh. tossed anything out the window on the way up to the cottage? <laughs> little garbage out the window? Maybe
2: went... a piece of gum or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That, uh... that was sort of what we
0: did back then, but now, oh man, could you imagine if the car in front of you today whipped a g- bag of garbage out the window? Oh, you, you chased them down. You would.
2: <laughs> you and, would. And,
0: and maybe that's similar to this school. I don't know. But it seems that in every other thing, we say we, we insist on having the choice about what we want to do.
2: Well, maybe incentives would work too you know incentives go a long way for the general population maybe a reduced cost or an extra star on the child's report card I don't know but I think there's gentler ways especially when you're dealing with young children to bring them along on a movement and extremism in schools is a dangerous thing I think
0: yeah and again let me go back to her quote because yeah. I just I love this quote this is part of the package when you go to Jackman. Package. And again, it's like this is a public school. It sounds like you're talking about someone going to the yacht club or the uh, you know, the yeah. exclusive uh, private school for the richest. This is part of the package when I you go to Jackman. I wonder if there's a
2: choice. You know how sometimes you can choose the schools you go to? There was a time when you couldn't. You would go to the school in your jurisdiction. But perhaps if they say, hey, this is the deal at this school... A parent would say well i don't think i'm going to send johnny there we'll go to the one down the road tell
0: you what when i was a kid i wanted to go to the school that had only packaged lunches <laughs> uh-huh. i want only the cookies and the other stuff that comes in packages meat
2: pie and gravy that was the order of the day wasn't it
0: <laughs> quick break here on the scott radley show we'll be back right after this stay with us you're listening to the scott radley show weeknights from seven to nine on
1: am 900 chml
0: we have heard over uh, back to Terry and to Connie we have heard over the years uh, lots of stories about kids that get in trouble with their cell phones and their computers uh, for a variety of reasons but probably the most troubling thing as a parent especially as a parent of a daughter she's old enough and wise enough now to not get in this kind of trouble but you never know Uh, she won't but others of her age might We've heard over the years so many stories of young girls, mostly young girls, who, for whatever reason, decide they want to send pictures of themselves in various uh, states of undress to boyfriends or whatever to impress them. And And there was another story that happened this week. It was a terribly unfortunate one. The Washington Post wrote about it. A grade seven girl in Massachusetts who decided she was going to sext her crush, and it went Terribly awry, and the picture ended up on the internet, and it's all over the place, and everybody sees it, and on and on and on. How, Connie, are we now in 2016 where every kid who's probably up to grade 12 almost now has grown up with this technology and understands better than you or I or Terry, even maybe not Terry, but better than you or I <laughs> understands this technology? How are we still? How are the kids? still so confused about the fact that this will always seemingly come back to bite them?
2: That is a very difficult question. And I think any parent right now out there has had an experience with technology and children, whether they're given computers in their room, which we thought was a great idea when my son was young, only to have that come back and bite us because all of a sudden it's on at 11 o'clock and midnight and you have fights over getting to school. But this is a very serious one when it comes to the use of the cell phone and and photos. How to deal with it? I, I, I really think sometimes we give them phones at too young an age. I see little kids that can barely walk, but they know how to work a phone. And it's one thing. Because I think it's in their DNA to know how to do all this. But it's another thing to let them have it and keep it out of their hands until they're old enough just to understand a little bit more. I think it's a parental responsibility, and I think it's a school responsibility. Um, schools have to be relevant, and curricula have to be relevant. So uh, elect- uh, electronic uh, technology today is is. is it's life and death. It's dangerous. So I think there's a societal responsibility to teach children from a very young age before they get their hands on a cell phone, the dangers and what ifs and what can happen. It's education, I think. It's education.
0: Terry, do you think that kids, and I, I mean, I agree with what Connie says, but do you think that kids really don't get this? Or is it just that once in a while, one of these things blows up because it happens really well. suddenly. I think it still happens a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I. Well, you certainly see a lot of examples of it right in the news. Um, I, I think they, I think, I think kids get it that they don't that that they shouldn't be doing this and they do it anyway. What I don't think they get is sort of the implications. The long term. So, the long term implications and 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 un- they don't grasp an understanding of how how fast and how far. Something like that can travel. So they might think, "Okay, I'll send this to, you know, a guy or a girl and they'll see it. Maybe a few of their friends will see it. Would it occur to them that they might post it on the Internet? Well, I think what you said, Terry, is key friends peer pressure.
2: Mm you see it everywhere children are torn between doing what they think they should do because their parents and their teachers may say that's right. But look at the power of peer pressure. You know, if, if a little girl's girlfriend, oh yeah, do it, I'm doing it, you do it. It's, it's a terrible weight, it's a terrible um, pressure on, on young, vulnerable, impressionable people. The power of peer pressure.
1: And I think that would have to be part of the education piece, Mm -hmm. too, is not just educating, you know, kids don't do this, but educating kids on uh, how... Not to sort of collude and pressure other people into doing it, and, yes. and understanding it's why it's of wrong. It's part bullying, yeah. really. And you have
2: speakers yeah. come in. This is what happens. I think you really—it's—it's it's so important to educate with real stories of this is what can happen. This is what happened to me. And if schools were to bring in these speakers, and um, because so often when you have—and we see it—we see it in the news all the time, Terry. You have a tragedy happen to someone, mm-hmm. but they overcome it, and then they want to share and inspire people and and educate people as a result of their personal experience and I think that's what we need people that have gone through this to reach out and connect with with children and they have to that way you gotta scare them you know it's almost like tough love you gotta scare them
0: I also wonder though and, and I mean I'm gonna sound very prudish when I say this I understand that but when I was 12 or 11 even if I had this technology in my hand, the thought of me posting a picture of myself naked never would have probably, I don't think, occurred to me, certainly not to send it to somebody else. And I look at this and I wonder, have we combined this new technology with a, with a bunch of kids who have been early, sexualized early, basically? Again, that's the prudish part. Have we, have we done something that would tell an 11-year-old girl or a 12-year-old girl that you have to send a naked picture to somebody to get their attention because honestly maybe this was just me who didn't have this when I was a kid but no 11 and 12 year old girls that I knew were deciding I have to take a picture of myself and oh my goodness. give it to some guy to get his attention that I wasn't know. that just seems something much more modern was let's, let's use that word.
2: It's, its exhibitionism it's the impact of media Mm-hmm. You know, um, music videos, um, video games, it's out there. It's so sexualized. And little kids are growing up so quickly. You know, little 5-year-olds wearing high heels and 10-year-olds wearing makeup. It's, they're, they're growing up before they're ready to. And they're told by what they see in the media that this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to look like and dance like. And so, it, yeah, it's... it's we all take responsibility for it, don't we?
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think, too, it's it's just so much more accessible these days. Like, I, I don't want to age you, Scott, but... <laughs> <yeah>. Feel free. <laughs> no, but if... <laughs> but when you were growing up, you know, where would you have to go to get... To, a to access a How photo of a naked a woman, you know? How would you take a picture of yourself? Or, yeah. Well, okay,
0: first of all... The if, library. You we would have to th-
1: develop it. Yeah, if with we're going to take a picture f- you know? of ourselves,
0: we're going to Black's or somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, and then you got to go get the film. And, yeah, that's not going to happen. So
1: it's, it's a completely right. different... Situation now, you can take a photo on your phone. You can that you upload it. you think is anonymous. Yeah, you can upload mm-hmm. it to your computer. So, but someone too could just hack into your iCloud. I mean, it's even if you don't share it with anyone, there's you know there's a danger, right? Well,
0: I love the idea that, and, and now I I use it seldom because uh, I really don't understand it. But my son, who's at university, sends me Snapchats, mm-hmm. which the whole idea of Snapchat is that it's a video or a picture that in what ten seconds disappears. Goes away. But what? So a lot of kids apparently now are using Snapchat because hey, in ten seconds he can see my naked picture, but then it's gone. Not realizing, yeah, but in that ten seconds I can do a screen grab, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't go away, and then it mm-hmm. goes on the internet. And it's that we have such we have technology moving so quickly that seems to be way faster than kids' brains that are leading. And then and the worst part about this, you know, we can make jokes about it, we can almost laugh about it, but there are so many stories we've heard of, particularly young girls mm-hmm. who have. Ended up with inappropriate pictures online, and you know who was the one in uh, in BC who who committed suicide mm-hmm. uh, because of the bullying that she got about that. And and they,
2: it's it's young girls with low self esteem. So there's a lot of other issues there yeah. that go into the picture when something like that happens. So you can back up and and figure out what could have led her to do that, whether it's the accessibility of technology, low self esteem, peer pressure. So it really is a societal. Responsibility. We've come a long way from sitting on photocopiers. I mean, that (laughs) was right. I mean, it's sort of the extension from that one. Ooh, look what I did.
0: (laughs) But how do you, I mean, how, okay, is there any way, do we just simply say, you know what, technology is technology and kids are kids and we're going to have this, so let's Mm. try to teach them otherwise, or is there something we could actually do?
1: I think, I think parents need to take, uh, you know, a a lot of the responsibility here. We talked about the education system, but uh, part of the you know a big part of the problem is that parents don't understand the technology so their kids are using apps and they're using devices that you know even if a parent didn't want them doing that they they would ha- have no idea how to you know police it because they they wouldn't even know what app to look at so i i just think it's incumbent on parents if you're going to give a child a device to, to keep an eye on it and understand what they're using it for.
0: But then we had an app that was recently, I remember there was a story about this maybe a year or two ago where you could put it on your kid's phone and you could track them on your computer where they were.
2: Like a GPS kind of And thing.
0: that stirred up all this stuff about how creepy parents were now.
2: Helicopter parents. Heli- and
0: and so you're looking at it, going, okay, what Terry says, which I agree with, You have to, it's incumbent on you to be more involved, but then when you do try to be more involved, you're accused of being creepy and not trusting. Just and by the
2: kids, and is that going to bother you? <laughs> if well, you, tr- it does for some. Mom, you're being creepy. It, Sorry, it, that's it does the for way some. It is. <laughs> I know. I mean, there's locks. There's all kinds of things you can do. Um, we have some young children in, in our family, and uh, it's an issue. Um, and so the the parents put. I don't know what it is, Terry. See, listen to me. Um, but it's like a, a lock or something, so they can't do certain things. So yeah, but you're right. It, it's got to be the parents. If you don't know how to work it, don't give it to your kid. I almost or
1: watch them. You know, they're staying. No yes. one's no one's going to take a naked photo of themselves while you're in the same room. That's right. So.
0: Yeah. It would be an odd family It, it did. would be
2: it's uncomfortable. It's like keeping the
1: computer in the
2: kitchen. Exactly. So everyone is there to see what's going on and there's no secret doing this or that.
0: See, because I think that the technology would exist, that there's a lot of things we could do to prevent this kind mm. of thing. But if you would do that, you would again have the situation where people would say, well, this is just you're over monitoring your kid. I'm sure you could have technology that says your phone doesn't work. The camera on your phone doesn't work in your house where your Wi-Fi is or something. You could easily build an app Mm -hmm. for that to say it shuts off your phone when you're in the vicinity of your house because you're not going to take a naked picture of yourself in the middle of the street either, presumably. (laughs) Uh, Not many. Um,
2: but hopefully it's not getting to that point that they don't reach the point where they even consider putting a, native, a na- naked photo of themselves out there. If you can, you know, back up and intervene, get to know what your kid's thinking and how their friends are treating them and build their own self-esteem. and And really, hopefully, you won't get to that point if you can act early and really be in tune with where your kid's heads are.
0: Do you think... Honestly, do you think that most kids would do something like this? Or do you think we just hear about the few that do it? See, I think there are a lot of kids that do. And the only reason I say that is because I can't believe that the only kids who take these selfies of themselves, who sext other people, have such bad luck that they all end up going bad and end up with stories written about them the numbers have to be bigger than this oh
1: i think it happens all the time i sure. think
0: it ha- it must happen a lot so even responsible kids connie mm-hmm.
1: uh, th- mm-hmm. the
0: numbers just suggest again unless every kid who sexs somebody like it's that's a hard word to say sex sex yeah sex <laughs> somebody yeah unless they all have the worst luck ever that everybody who does it gets busted there must be way more people doing it and just playing poker with it, yeah. p- gambling with it but
2: you know it, it's a wave right it's a wave we're still getting used to this technology where we're, it's a curve and i think as adults and even as children age and get used to technology you we will get used to this and i think we'll get over this with kids but it's it's we're on the learning curve now right i mean it's it's relatively new technology it's a relative term because technology's
0: always changing new,
2: today uh, an old you know uh, tomorrow so um, but I think it's a curve and I think the more we we take control of this from all aspects the more children will grow up to actually respect the technology but look at even older adults uh, you know uh, employers potential employers look at Facebook they look and see all that and now they're getting it so the older kids are getting it students I I teach um, at a couple of colleges in broadcasting and public relations departments and they're getting it now um, so we're just hoping that the young ones will come up and 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 get it quicker yeah we don't have
0: time to go into all of it but it is not just the kids let's be fair about that one there are uh, a lot, yes, of, absolutely. A lot Ask of Mr. Weiner that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's true but and it's not just sex pictures there are a lot of adults that still are completely oblivious to how posting something online can bite you in the backside. It's just, you expect that kids who have grown up with this, their brains haven't caught up, but they should know the tech. I don't know. It it, it just is a puzzler to me that this happens over and over and over. Anyway, Mm got to take a break. Back after this on The Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. We have in studio not just Terry Pekoski, although that would be more than enough (laughs) most days. National newspaper award-winning writer for the Hamilton Spectator, but next to her, one of the one of the most familiar, most well-known women this city has produced, and that would be Connie Smith, former CHCH anchor, member of the Gallery of Distinction, which Terry is not on yet, but the day is coming. I'm working on it. The day is coming. Hey, did Dan McLean ever make it on the Gallery of Distinction?
2: Yes, we were inducted the same year. Oh, okay. With Steve Smith and Mark Chamberlain and uh, Alan McPherson, uh, one of our lovely uh, reverends in this city. That
0: would have been very awkward if you had gone on and Dan hadn't.
2: Yeah, I think it was kind of organized that yeah, we I would hope be so. there together. Because we worked together. for We anchored together for 20 not years. For a long so. time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you guys. I we mean, went out together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, out. out of. <laughs> no, I don't. Everyone thought that. No, we went out of the. You picture together, together. yes, <laughs> that's what I meant.
0: Although I like the other story better Luke can you can you actually grab that clip so we can play Dave, it? Over Dave Dave if
2: you're hearing you know what I meant.
0: <laughs> Connie Smith now talking about the secret private lives going on behind the scenes at CHCA during the wild years. Yes Yes mm. I mean we should ask who Ken Welsh was going out with but I don't think his wife wants to hear that i probably kidding. Not. I'm kidding uh, dear Ken. Kenny. <laughs> one of the great guys I'm yes. telling you, all of you guys were it was uh, but no you know what 20 years that was a long time
2: 20 years as an anchor 32 years in all So I got to do it all. I covered civic affairs, entertainment. I was political correspondent, covered all the political conventions, leadership conventions across the country. Interviewed prime ministers, all the political party leaders, movie stars, went to New York. I I was a part of that station during the golden years. And and it was just a a wonderful, wonderful part of my life and uh, history of broadcasting in Hamilton. And what's
0: amazing is you were there for 32 years and still left when you were 40. So that was, you know, that's, that's even some, more remarkable. I was very,
2: yes, very young <laughs> when I started, Scott. <laughs> I got to start lying about that 32-year thing, don't I, I think. <laughs> no, I think, that, I think that's a remarkable,
0: you know what, if, I mean, listen, we're going to get on to something yes, else, but sorry. especially in today's media. If you can be anywhere for thirty-two years and be successful at it for thirty-two years, I, you know, you are not old. But if you, but even if someone wants to interpret it that way, <laughs> who cares? You were there for thirty-two yeah, years making a difference. Very so proud of take it. Take that, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great accomplishment.
2: Thank you, Scott.
0: Let's um, let's stick with that idea of politics, though, to start out this hour because I found this really interesting this week. We are in the middle of one of the most odd presidential elections down in this presidential campaigns down in the states you have two incredibly flawed candidates both of them have their issues we'll leave it at that we can you can everyone can have their view of who's better who's worse who's I mean it may be worse or worser, but whatever it is but it's really interesting I find because today um, Hillary Clinton came out and said There will be, there's a quote, there will be PhD theses about sexism against me written for years to come. And this follows a couple things. One, that she believes that she was extra, or her people believe that she received extra grilling on an NBC interview thing they did the other day. And B, there were some comments that she was kind of looking, it was a tweet that came out saying she looked angry and defensive the entire time, no smile and uncomfortable. And so that was interpreted as a, a shot on her appearance. Now, of course, I think probably a very similar line, if we had Twitter, would have been said about Richard Nixon when he debated Kennedy, that there was no smile, looked uncomfortable. And but, he was sweating badly. And he was sweating. But the point is, is Hillary Clinton the victim in this campaign so far of overwhelming sexism or... Is it that we have not seen a woman as a main candidate, a, lead, a presidential candidate, and she is getting the same grilling that every candidate always gets, but it's uncomfortable to see it happening to a woman?
2: Well, it's a first.
0: It's a first. Obama is a first. was a first. So now but because I'm we haven't first. seen this, is it is she the victim of sexism, or does this happen to everybody, but because it's a woman and we're not used to seeing it, that we are seeing sexism where it doesn't exist?
2: Terry <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think oh man I, I you know what I think that sexism is nothing new when it comes to Hillary Clinton I think this is something she has dealt with probably from the time she was in college onward and it is something that's been you know ever present in her political career um, it, you know Google Hillary Clinton pantsuit and see how many stories have been written about her wardrobe that's sexism and mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I, I am sure in certain debates and, you know, press coverage that, uh, yeah, the, the the commentary is sexist. And, you know, there, there are inherent bias biases there that, it, you know, influence the way in which people ask questions. Um, and I, I think the fact that her foil is Donald Trump, who you know, maybe isn't capable of answering some of those difficult questions. I I think she's more able to, and maybe she gets tougher questions because she actually is able to formulate an answer. I don't know if that I, I don't know if that's sexism. I I I don't have cable. I don't watch a lot of the <laughs> debates. Um but uh, you know, I will say from you know, the stories that you see on the web and that you have seen for years and years and years focusing on her appearance and focusing on things that are beside the point of you know, Hillary as a politician. Um, so let me play yes. devil's advocate then. Yes.
0: We have seen lots of comments on Hillary's appearance with her pantsuits and everything else. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So if that is sexism, what is it when they make comments about Donald Trump's hair and his orange skin?
2: I I was just going to say that. We love labels, don't we? Is it sexism when you criticize someone? What is it? Do we need a category to describe it? Because I really think um, at the political level, as, as more and more women become involved in politics, that... That is going away. That is so old school, really, sexism. It, it's sure it's still there because she is the first woman to reach this plateau. But yeah, um, what do you hear more of now than Donald Trump's hair, you know? So is that is that sexism or is that just being... Cruel and insulting because of the way someone looks.
0: No, and that's politics. It's a blood sport now. Oh, it
2: is. And it's television. It's a visual medium. Um, Well, not just television, but it's visual. And people need to have something to talk about. Comedians need to have something to joke about. Uh, When she was on Saturday Night Live, you know, the pantsuit, you know, the mimics would have the pantsuit and all that. Um, I just. I just hesitate to call it sexism. I just think it's more being very critical of, of things that really don't matter uh, when we should be focusing on the person's background and their intelligence and their values and the way they treat people and their honesty and their track record.
0: See, I, the the thing that I, that concerns me about throwing out sexism, and I'm not dismissing the idea. I I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that there are not people who are critical of her because of sexism. And and that is
2: still there. I absolutely believe that
0: that still exists. Mm -hmm. But when people who... When George Bush was, was president, or if you want to say Bill Clinton or whoever before, and you disagreed with him politically, it was a fair political disagreement. There would be those in the last eight years who, if you disagreed with Barack Obama politically... Got accused of racism mm-hmm. and that i think diffuses and takes away what racism really means and so i wonder I, I worry the same thing happens here that there are women i bet connie when you were anchoring the news i bet you had people commenting on your wardrobe your hair your tan Colour your whatever of lipstick whatever and that is that is a legitimate sexism that oh, yes. has to be it dealt was, with
2: it was overt
0: and so, if if but if someone commented that you had made a comment about something and they disagreed with your opinion, and then you were to say, "Well, that's sexism," to me that diminishes then the actual cases of sexism. Now we're going to throw everything out there, and if you are dare to say anything, it's that, well then who can say anything?
2: Oh yeah, well it's just like throwing the term racist around it's it does diminish the real meaning of of true racism i mean i remember going for my first radio interview and i like the way you write i like the way you read connie but our listeners aren't ready to hear a woman read a newscast in the afternoon oh i guess that's the way it is did i think it was sexism then no wow that's just the way it is we've moved on from that but there are still remnants of that thinking Absolutely. But I think it's, it's, it's just being very opportunist to throw those terms around and, uh, you know, oh, um, that's sexist, that's racist. And it, it, it does take away from the, the real central issues.
0: Because, Terry, I bet you've had the same. I bet you, first of all, and I've never asked you this, and mm-hmm. I sit four feet away from you all day. I bet you that when you started on the Bulldogs, there were people who thought you were a guy because you, Terry, the figure, oh, it's Terry. It was taking over. And then when they found out it was not a guy, they were like, "Mm, I I bet you've had issues. Some. I don't know if you've had a lot of issues with sexism in doing this job, but I bet you've had some.
1: Some uh, some people are weird, you know, and it's, (laughs) uh, I've actually, I've found it more among, you know, other members of the media who draw attention to it than any of the players or coaches I've dealt with because I think... You know, maybe they're a bit younger and used to it and, uh, you know, not like, yes, it is a, a, you know, primarily male environment. But so is the news media, especially the sports media.
0: And so if you if you do a Bulldogs game, let's say, and you're at the game and someone says to you, uh, hey, you know what? Um, You look different than your picture. You you know, your hair is way longer. I mean, maybe that's a bad example because that's just an observation. But if they were to make some comment about I didn't know a woman could do this. All right, I, we could agree that that would be a kind of a sexist comment. Yes. Then it I've, would.
1: Well, and uh, and I, yeah, of course, of course it would. I've never gotten that, but Hillary is getting things like that. Uh, sure. I mean, it's all through uh, the media. It's not. It's not hard to find examples of people saying on the record in newspapers, on the radio, on TV, "I'm not voting for her because she's a woman." Mm-hmm. That's sexist. I'm sure that's out
0: there. So, so again, let me use the example. You go to the. You're at the rink, and someone says, "You know what, Terry? I liked your hair better the other way." Yeah, that's probably not appropriate. That's that's you know it's it's not terrible, but it's it's sexist. Now, if someone says to you, Terry, I didn't like the way you constructed your story. I thought you missed the boat." Mm-hmm. Is that sexist for them to say that?
1: No, not at all.
0: That, but so it's fair exactly, comment. it's fair comment based yeah. on your performance.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, if you were to say you only said that because I'm a woman and you're sexist. To that me, diminishes
2: Terry. That, that makes Terry look bad. It
0: makes you look bad, but it also for all the other sexist things that happens, it sort of makes everyone. If you say sexist for everything, we're going to throw sexist out everywhere. It's a
1: mockery. Now nothing yeah. means
0: sexism. What but does it mean? I,
1: I also don't think that's the only thing that's happening in in Hillary's case. I think there are examples of that where maybe, um, you know, people are are trying to make a feminist issue where there there a sexism issue where there is none, but I think there are also a lot of legitimate examples of sexism when it comes to her campaign. And I and, and I yeah. grant
0: you, go ahead, Tony. I was
1: just going to—is it still
2: sexist for people to say I am voting for her because she's a woman?
0: I was going to say she has played up now and again, playing devil's advocate. Yeah. She has played up. I want to break through the glass ceiling. I want to make history. Well, if she is playing up the fact that she's a woman, is anyone else allowed to then? It's fair game. If if she has made it part of the game, is it fair to make it part of the game if you're one of the participants? I don't know the answer to that one.
2: I think it depends on the actual criticism. If it's, you know, pantsuits or hair, but is it uh, strength of character? Is it uh, ability to, to maintain stoically, you know, in a difficult situation where, you know, stereotypically women weren't able to endure things and, and carry difficult burdens. Um, so I think it depends on the level of the comment, too, whether it's fair both ways. But but in truth, she is breaking through the, gra- the glass ceiling, so, you know, is that sexist for her to take that on? I don't know. Uh, how far did Barack Obama go? You know, I'm the first black president. I don't think he really waved that flag so much. Everyone else did. Were they sexist or racist rather by, I don't know. It's a milestone anyway, isn't it?
0: I, no, it is a milestone. Right? It is a milestone. And, yeah. I, and I look at this and, and that's one of the other questions. We talked about this on a show a long time ago. Is it okay to vote for Hillary if you're a woman? Is it reason to vote for her just because she's a woman?
2: If that's and, what you value.
0: but if, And if that's the case, is it okay to vote for Donald Trump if you're a guy just because he's a guy? And I would say the latter, you would say no, that would be ridiculous. But is it okay to, to say I'm voting for her specifically on the reason that I'm a woman, she's a woman? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Well, you, you, you two would be the ones who would well, have to tell me. she has,
2: you know, she has spoken out for women's rights. She has spoken out for that. So, uh, as a woman, yet yeah, maybe I, I would think, well, I like that, and I agree with her.
0: But that's on her policies. So you're voting for her policies. Yes,
2: not just because she's a that's woman. That's my question. But I have a right to vote for her just because she's a woman, and Trump supporters have a right to vote for him because he's a man. Is is it correct or or wise? That's for anyone to discuss and offer an opinion on, isn't it?
0: You know, the interesting thing, one of the interesting things about this is I'm sitting in the studio right now with two people who have done something that is new, right? Because, Takani, you said you were the first anchor. Terry, you're the first female sports reporter for The Spectator. And I'm sure that those are challenges. You have to feel like you have to prove yourself. Oh, yes. All right. I I know that that's the case, that Mm -hmm. that you would have people who would be wondering, well, how are they going to do? I know that's, the, and, and both of you had done stuff before that, that showed you could do it. And yet you haven't. But again, I come back to this thing and it's, it's just the question that I, that I keep asking when I hear this sexism question is on what are the comments based? And if it's, if it's questioning your ability, I'm not sure it's sexism. If it's questioning the peripheral stuff that surrounds what you're doing, then I would say that's completely inappropriate.
2: If it's just because of your gender, if it's, it's just sexist.
0: because of your gender or your appearance or how you dress or whatever, yes, then it's completely sexist and completely out of line. If they say, you know, you're a woman, but you're not doing the job, or I don't believe you're doing the job, is that sexist? And that's the that's the tricky part of this whole debate because she does have a 25-year track record in the public eye to. Judge her on
1: well, and she's she, I think been large, you know, successful, right? Yeah, she's got so, an amazing and history. and that that's part of the arguments that we're seeing around this whole sexism issue. Is has you know has the media drawn attention to certain things to you know to to almost undermine her successes when in fact I mean if you look at her accomplishments over the last twenty five years, I mean they're un they're unparalleled, right? Like.
0: Well, there would I mean there would, you would have people arguing that question. She has done a lot of things. Yeah. She has absolutely done a lot of things. There is certainly room in the debate about her to say whether you agree that she's done them well or not, but she's certainly done a lot of things and held a lot of positions and you will have those who say what you said that she's done them really really well and others who say she screwed them up. But that's a political debate, that's mm-hmm. your philosophical debate. And if you take the side that says she screwed them up, are you a sexist? And I guess that's what this whole thing eventually yeah. comes to is, can you hold a, a, an opinion of her that's poor and not be a sexist? That's, that's ultimately what this comes to. Can of you? D- you can. Of
1: course you can. Of
2: course, of course you, can. you can. But I come back to Donald Trump then. Everyone disses his hair. So what is that? That's hairist.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good taste That's a, <laughs>
2: yes.
0: you're, you're a folliculist <laughs> there yeah, You're, you you're anti-folliculist See, we need a label We need yeah. another label, label for when you describe
2: yes. a man's hair or lack thereof
0: we need, oh. No, we probably don't need any more of those oh, yeah, no, I, um, I'll pass on any more hair labels Thank okay. you very much A uh, quick break here on the Scott Radley Show We will come back right after this Stay with us <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900
1: CHML.
0: There was something that happened this week in the world down in, uh, in California, I believe, that always puzzles me. There's a lot of things in California that puzzle me, but this in particular. There was another, as they do every couple times a year, this huge Apple launch where the Apple Corporation launches their iPhone. And for whatever reason, and I don't quite understand this, the huge auditorium fills up with journalists and Apple launching whatever it is they're going to launch or tweaking whatever they're going to tweak becomes a big news story. And I'm hoping one of you two can explain to me why Apple introducing a new product is worthy of an auditorium full of journalists, but McDonald's introducing a new burger or Coke introducing a new drink or Molson or whatever else... Why is it Apple that is newsworthy and seemingly nothing else? Anyone want to take a stab at this? Because I don't have an answer for (laughs) it. Terry
2: looks at me. Well, uh, one thing: um, Apple has always made a big deal of their launches. They've always been iconic and worthy of uh, headlines around the world. They make a big deal of it, so that's one thing. It's always a big thing. Always have from the Steve Jobs days, but also. Apple is so iconic in terms of our culture. We follow everything Apple does. It it runs our lives, our phones, our computers, our entertainment, our music. Everything that is the Canadian, well beyond that, North American, beyond that culture is Apple. So I, I think that the degree of um, its intrinsic part of our very everyday lives and culture makes it more than a commercial, if you will.
0: I could see it on those days, and you wouldn't know ahead of time, I could see it on the days when they introduced the iPod or the iPhone or the iPad for the first time, which were three really groundbreaking concepts. But, you know, this time they do a little tweak. I mean, the big thing is there's no longer a jack for your headphones. Wow. Wow. I mean, honestly, like in the, in the big picture, is that really a story? So if even if you had gone, even if all these journalists had gone to this event, okay, we're going to go and hear what they have to say, but it doesn't mean you necessarily that it's necessarily a story. And again, this to me seems like a great marketing thing they've done that they've built this up, but it's, n- I don't understand how, unless they are doing something that is, as Connie says, changing the fabric of our lives with a new invention how is simply listening to my music by wireless headphones instead of a wired headphone worthy of front-page news on papers around the world? I don't get it. I, a- and I love Apple.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I am not technologically savvy at all. If my phone, you know, can dial someone, I'm generally <laughs> That's happy. That's all you want. Um, but-
0: Terry still has the last rotary dial cell phone. <laughs>
1: For some people, though, this is life changing. And I will, you know, not necessarily that my husband is a perfect example, but he loves technology. And something like this, even, you know, a tweak to a product, um, or a screen that is, you know, a centimeter larger. um, He is one of those people that will go and and get a new phone replace his phone he won't necessarily wait in line like all the crazy people well, that's a Apple stores that's yeah. what makes it the story too right? that, yeah. that's I've
0: never understood that either because you, you do know that if you don't buy it on the first day they will make more <laughs> yeah right you're not not getting one
1: but people are obsessed I mean and and in that sense it is it's it's newsworthy because there's a demand for for this news I mean it, it affects a lot of people and and I, people are obsessed. People okay, are obsessed.
0: so we do it with Apple, whether or not, and we write front page stories, whether or not it actually turns out to be earth changing. Mm-hmm. Why not Samsung? Why not Google? Why not Motorola? Why not whoever else makes these technological products? Why do we not go to their launches? Is this, mm-hmm. Connie, Is it you're in PR as well. You teach PR as well as journalism. Mm-hmm. Is this only the fact that Apple has done the best job of creating good PR that tells you you have to be there or is there something else to it
2: well that's that is a big part of it but also it's big business news and business news drives news what's on the business page today will be in the front page tomorrow we all know that right so business is huge and it's getting bigger in terms of news coverage because people are seeing that it's the markets it's it's the it's the corporations the, the the big business that really determine what's going to happen in our world to a great extent so i think it's 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 big business news and business news is very big today so
0: it's because apple is one of the hugest most valuable stocks out yeah. there Okay, that that's why it is.
1: I think that's part of it. And uh, and also that, you know, there's something about Apple that attracts the mainstream media. Um, and, and, yeah, it's and, not
0: just the nerd media that's uh, there.
1: No, it's, it's, you know, mainstream media. The three of us all have Apple products yes. here in front of us tonight, right? So maybe journalists use this stuff more often than other things. I, I think the same type of promotional... Yeah, you know, reporting goes on for all of these other products, the Samsungs and the Google. But I think it it just maybe lives online a bit more mm. than it does in the mainstream media. It's it's out there again because I see my husband's <laughs> search history. So <laughs> well, my husband's the opposite. I'm kind of trolling him along
2: to uh, stay on top of things. But but Apple does it well. They make an event a news story, and you know, you teach the PR students how do you get free PR? You make it a news story. Mm-hmm. So you make it a news event and you're going to get covered.
0: The other part about Apple that I that I find fascinating is that if you remember back, when was the Occupy Wall Street movement really at its peak? About five years ago?
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe something like that when they had the people in New York on the streets p- p- setting up yeah. the tents and everything mm-hmm. else. And you have these people who are enraged at major corporations. They can't stand them. The corporations are robbing us blind. They're stealing all the money. Take the rich down And they're all sending out these things on their Apple phone, their iPhones. And you're like, wait, you don't see the irony? The biggest (laughs) company in the world is what you're happily using to get your message across. Do you not see the irony? But they don't. And it's so somehow Apple has created this thing where not only are they enormous and multi billions and billions and billions, but they seem to be acceptable
2: they're in malls. You go and you talk to them. They'll help you. They'll help a little old lady. They'll help a little kid. You know what do they call it? The the geek bar. Or oh something? yeah. What, do they call it? what is <laughs> it? The bar at the back. Yeah. Genius <laughs> bar. Genius <laughs> bar. Yes, the the genius, genius bar. I like the geek bar better. <laughs> I, like that better too. I think someone else uses geek bar. I'm not. <laughs> the geek heard. squad. Yeah. But, but they uh, make themselves relevant to the ordinary Joe. You know, they've come down off their high horse, and and it's it's part of the whole Apple ethos is to be relevant and simple to use and and accessible right
0: I would just love it if once one of these Apple events if when they don't really announce anything that really matters because again I, I have Apple products I'm not against Apple products I love Apple products but this this time there wasn't really anything that shook the world, and it would be great if instead of us getting caught up in the rest of journalism, getting caught up in the hype, that someone said, "The emperor is wearing no clothes." It's just more of the same. We'll tell you when something big happens, but in the meantime, this is—I don't know if you need to get really excited about this. This is just a tweak. They
2: get you out there, though, but they don't get they? you out
0: there, right. and they get it in the papers. They're—they're they're geniuses they're masters at it. They yeah, are. They are.
2: Yeah.
0: Quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on
1: AM 900 CHML.
0: We were talking about technology with kids getting in trouble sexting and other things. Well, it only seems appropriate then. Let's uh, let's finish up tonight with a technology question. And I would love to hear from you. T- I don't know what you drive, Connie. I know Terry drives a... A a little one of those cars that could fit in a shoebox,
1: a Fiat Five Hundred.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a it's it's. I could not yeah. fit in Terry's car. It's a it's a cool looking car. I just don't. I, I have been in it. I would not want to do a long road trip in the <laughs> Fiat, nonetheless. <laughs> so here's the question: because this is something that we're hearing a lot of now, is with Tesla and with some other things, the idea of driverless cars. Mm-hmm. Would you buy? Would you trust? Would you drive in a driverless car? Because they're getting closer, one way or another, someone's going to have them on a road near you soon. Would you use or would you get in a driverless car?
2: My dad always said, "Never buy the first model year of anything." <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good plan. I for can this.
1: attest to that after buying, you know, a first-run Fiat. So. Oh you know, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. so good. Uh, no, no, there've been problems. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs>
0: but would you get in a car if you were just going to sit there and take your hands off the wheel and put your hands behind your head and lean back and say, "Take uh-huh. me to"? Wherever,
1: if everybody else was, I guess I don't know. So that
0: would make it even worse for me.
1: Really, I w- in a second. People, really? uh, humans are terrible drivers. Well, there is that. That is for so sure. So, put me in a car. Let me sit back and relax. I'm good to go. Sure, any day.
2: Just See, dr- drive on a 400 series highway, and I agree with Terry. You know, you're not gonna have people z- zipping in between oh lanes, God, following nightmare. too close.
0: See, this is the this is the interesting thing to me about this is. Maybe if you're talking about the fact that everybody is on the 400 and everyone is in these automated cars. But as long as you have one idiot who's driving their own car that is unpredictable, so the automated cars have a hard time anticipating, That's true. I get scared.
1: But well, uh, they, they actually have... Uh, tests have shown oh, that they're better at reacting to... You know, crazy maneuvers than people Isn't there one thing, though,
2: they said they can't anticipate a, a construction site?
1: I don't know. There's
2: something I thought lately that there's one thing they couldn't they I'm haven't sure. been able to deal with, but You
0: anyway. know, I, I, I look at this and I maybe it's maybe I'm a control freak but the idea of just <laughs> taking my hands off, and maybe it's only because it's all we've ever done. I don't know. But the idea of taking your hands off and just saying to the car take me home might not be terrifying until you start driving near other people, and you're coming up to a red light, and you're like, "Is it going to stop? Is it going to stop?" What's you're going to be putting the, your foot in the brake. Yeah. You're going to be doing all this stuff, and and you know, again, maybe it's because we're just of a certain age that we've only ever done this.
2: Well, and at first, it'll be totally different for everyone, but you know, we, we get Xanax used to a lot or of things right? while you're driving just to yeah. calm yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one funny technology story, though. Have you ever flushed a microphone? down the toilet before going on the air no yes talk about technology hopefully this was a small microphone <laughs> yes it was my it was my mic pack and it was two minutes before airtime. and this is how dependent you are on technology because of course before it was like the fixed mics and all this but with these little wireless mics that are you clip on your waistband and (laughs) two minutes before I thought I got time I can do this I've done this before so I went into the cubicle did what I did but didn't realize that the waistband was very flimsy so when I stood up the weight of the pack pulled it over and I'm turning around and it's going down the the whole pack yeah and I'm pulling the cable (laughs) like this and then I pull it up and there's no pack on the no fish there. on the hook. Yes, so being dependent on technology, yes, it can be very scary unless you're really prepared for any eventuality. And maybe the first time we're behind these wheels, there'll be some way that we can intervene. You know, um, when cruise control was so big, I don't know anyone that uses it anymore. But you could always put your foot in the brake and stop it. Maybe it'll be something like that. And then if you get really crazy, you know, during those first few drives, you can kind of go and take over. So you kind of ease into it. But gradually, maybe that would take some of your nervousness away. Could
0: be. What happens to kids who are 16? Because we're still assuming the kids can be 16 and drive. Oh, I do you think have to take a driver's 21. license? Yeah, oh, how, do yeah.
2: You, how do you ever you Do you have to take learn? a driver's test? Yes, because I think the time would be that there may be a situation where you do have to take the wheel. It's kind of like being a pilot, right? Yes, on autopilot. Exactly. That's right. It is. They still the, have to know how to fly a plane. Yeah. The
0: difference is when you're up in the air, there aren't Planes right beside you. There's not dogs running in front of your plane. Well, there's Canada geese. Um, (laughs) There's, you know, there's not all these other things that. I mean, on the one hand, I think wow, this is going to be great because you're right, Connie. Now you don't have the horrible drivers all controlling their car. You could text and drive, and who cares? Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know if that'll be allowed still or not. But um, there's a lot of things about this that you know that I don't know. But at the same time, I just the thought of just putting my life in the hands of a company, I know that my lap, my computer at home freezes inexplicably for no reason at work. <laughs> so I'm bombing along a 400 series highway and my computer has a brain fart and stops working for a few seconds while I'm at top speed.
2: That, I agree, terrifying. That kind of, that
0: kind of concerns me. <laughs> and I know it's not the same computer. I know that it's not, you know, but I've worked with enough computers and I've never had a computer that hasn't had a burp at one point. Was. Oh, I, I
2: agree. I, you'd be nervous, Terry. Would you not? The first time?
1: May, well, you know what? Maybe in, in the sense you mentioned cruise control, right? I, the, the first few times I used cruise control because I didn't have it until the car I have now, which I've only had for a few years. And getting used to that was a little stressful until you sort of learn the ebb and flow of it and, you know, mm-hmm. when to hit the button and slow down a bit and when to speed up. Um, but I, you know, after you, after you do it a few times, it I doesn't make me nervous s- at all.
2: Scott, after a few times, will will have you relaxed and going to yoga to re- yeah. reduce the tension in your scapulae when you're driving behind Sipping that.
0: Sipping <laughs> a, a, a Shiraz <laughs> and <it> behind the <laughs> wheel, car, yeah, yeah, reading your Kobo and just uh, <laughs> you know chilling out and then hoping like nothing.
1: You're gonna love it.
0: Oh, you know, I I. I I was in a mall the other day. I was at Yorkdale Mall. I was meeting someone for lunch. And they have a Tesla store in the mall. Uh, which, I, And really? I'm walking by going, what am I going to buy in a Tesla <laughs> store? Am I going to buy a car? And, and sure enough, they had two of the driverless, or at least they could be driverless, mm-hmm. Teslas in there. And, you know, they look cool. They look nice. They've got the giant computer screen that you do everything on. It'll come. But I just am so nervous about the fact that our technology doesn't always work it just doesn't always work you even have planes that have to wait at the runway before they take off because something's not working right and we're gonna jump in our car and hit take me home and take me along the highway and suddenly your car is gonna fritz out and then what
2: you got to take over
0: but if you're the whole idea behind this, presumably, is that you don't have to be mm-hmm. paying intent attention. You can be reading a book or listening to the radio or half asleep, and then when do you realize, oh, jeez, I'm hurtling towards the edge of a cliff, and I better pay attention. I, that's you know, Me? I'd be asleep. <laughs> if I get a driverless car, the only reason is so I can sleep in the car, because uh. I can sleep in any vehicle instantly. I'll be gone. I'll oh, I don't out. want to
2: drive around you no. then. No,
0: no, it's, it's a terribly, I, I don't know. I I love the idea, but I hate the idea.
2: But the future's scary, isn't it? Change is scary. And it's not about change. I'm okay with change,
0: by no. and large. I'm okay with the idea of things being different. I don't mm-hmm. need everything to be the same. I just prefer that everything be the same as far as not having large vehicles hurtling towards <laughs> me at full speed out of control. But that's just me. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM
2: 900 CHML.